African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. You are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us once again on African Dialogue. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. I'll be your host for the next hour as usual. It is a Thursday today and you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, uh, just to let you know what's coming up on the program, on uh, Saturday we're having International Mother Language Day. So today we're going to look at uh, the issue of African languages and the use of colonial languages on the continent. But let's move on quickly to get our news from Musa. In the headlines, Qatar recalls its ambassador to Egypt for consultations following a row over Cairo's airstrike. Libya faces imminent danger from ISIL and other terrorists, warns a UN envoy. And South Africa's state security minister launches a full investigation into a jamming device used in parliament. Good morning. Qatar has recalled its ambassador to Egypt for consultations following a row over Cairo's airstrikes on jihadist targets in Libya. A foreign ministry official says Doha was recalling its envoy over a statement made by Egypt's delegate Tariq Abdel to the Arab League. According to Egyptian media and Al Jazeera News Channel, Abdel accused Qatar of supporting terrorism. This after Doha's representative expressed reservations over a clause on a communique welcoming Cairo's airstrikes on Islamic State targets. The communique was released at the end of an ambassador-level Arab League meeting in the Egyptian capital, Cairo. Meanwhile, the UN Security General Special Representative for Libya, Bernardino Leon, has warned that ISIL and other terrorist groups are posing an imminent danger to the people of Libya and the wider region. He briefed the Security Council, saying ISIL terrorists were exploiting the political crisis and consequent security vacuum to consolidate its presence and influence across Libya. The savage terrorist acts highlight once again the imminent danger confronting Libya, its people and the wider region, unless there is a swift agreement among the main parties in the country on resolving the political crisis and bringing an end to the military and political conflict. 
The UN Security Council has extended the mandate of the UN Integrated Peace Building Office in Guinea-Bissau for one year. The mission is helping the West African countries strengthen diplomatic institutions following presidential elections last year. Guinea-Bissau suffered from political instability since independence from Portugal in 1973, including a military coup in 2012. Close to 40% of Zimbabwe's new HIV and AIDS infections are occurring before young people reach the age of 25. Statistics released by UNAIDS show that young girls are the most vulnerable to the disease. Over the last decade, Zimbabwe has successfully halved its HIV prevalence from a high of 34% to its current level of 14.5%. But last year, it saw an unexpected upswing in infections among the 15 to 24 age group. More from Zimbabwe's director for UNAIDS, Michael Baitos. 14,000 girls and young women became infected, 8,000 boys and young men. And that's 24% of all of the infection, new infections that happened last year amongst girls and 14% of the total. So, so, so 38% of all of the new HIV infections in Zimbabwe were in that age group 15 to 24. And finally, South Africa's State Security Minister David Mahlobo says a full investigation will be launched into whether the jamming device used in Parliament last week was sabotage or human error. He was addressing journalists as part of the security cluster briefing. Yesterday, the minister released a statement saying the jamming device used to scramble cell phone signals was caused by an operational error. Recapping the top stories, Qatar recalls its ambassador to Egypt for consultations following a row over Cairo's airstrikes. Libya faces imminent danger from ISIL and other terrorist warns a UN envoy. And South Africa's state security minister launches a full investigation into a jamming device used in parliament. Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama, and you're listening to Channel Africa right here on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, just a reminder that today we are looking at International Mother Language Day, which is in two days' time, and we're looking at its significance. Looking at the issue of language in itself, it plays a role in our everyday lives. The 21st of February will mark the 16th International Mother Language Day, which is aimed at celebrating language diversity uh, variety worldwide highlighting the importance of using indigenous languages. The day was first announced by UNESCO on November 1999 and was formally recognized by the United Nations General Assembly in its resolution establishing uh, it in 2008 as the International Year of Language. Now, today we're going to explore the theme of African languages and the use of colonial languages in the continent. Now, to assist us on this topic, we have Professor Eckhart Wolf, and Professor Wolf held the position of chair at the African Linguistics at the University of Leipzig in Germany. Also on the line, we have Professor David Msoma, who will be assisting us. He is the deputy chairperson of the Commission for Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Cultural, Religious, and and linguistic communities. Also, we have the head of the division of languages, languages rather, literacies and uh, lit- literatures uh, at the University of Edvartensrand. He's also the editor in chief of the Southern African Linguistics and Applied Language Studies Journal. That's Professor Ligeti Makalela. And finally, we have a Professor Sozinho Matsinye, who is the head of Academy of Languages uh, at uh, the African Academy of 
Languages, which is an organ of the African Union. I'm going to start with you, uh, Professor Sozinho Matinye, in terms of looking at African languages. When we speak about language on the continent, we know that it's so diverse. There are claims that are up to 1,250 to 2,100, and by some counts, over 3,000 languages spoken natively in Africa. In uh, several uh, countries, we also have major language families. How complex is the issue of language on the continent, Professor Matsinia? Well, good morning, listeners, and good morning, colleagues. Thank you very much for inviting me to this um, uh, uh, talk. Um, the question of language in Africa is very complex, but not so complex as many of us tend to believe. But um, before I say what I want to say, uh, just to tell you that, yes, I work for the African Academy of Languages. This is the language agency of the African Union, the official language agency of the African Union. And our mandate is to work with the member states towards um, promoting and developing African languages so that they are used in all domains of society in partnership with the former colonial languages. I need to emphasize this partnership because it's not a question of either or, but it's a question of partnership um, of languages in Africa, which will lead us to creating linguistic equity. Having said that, let's get back to your question. Yes, the linguistic situation in Africa is very complex. Now, how many languages we have, Mm. it depends on who counts and for what purpose. I will give you a very simple example. If you go to a country called Rwanda, they will tell you that they speak in Rwanda. Then you jump the border to the neighboring countries, uh, Burundi, they will tell you that they speak Rwanda. But this is one and the same language. The mutual intelligibility is 100%. Mm. These people speak to one another without the need of any kind of interpretation. Now, if you are going to count how many languages you have here, you will say you have two languages. Mm. But in fact, you are counting the one language, the same language, <laughs> twice. <laughs> Oh, that's the question of how many languages we have in Africa, really, it depends on who counts mm. and for what objective. Uh, that's why the African Academy of Language has embarked on a linguistic atlas project. The aim is to count all the languages spoken in Africa and produce maps, which will show where these languages are spoken, and what are their varieties in terms of dialects. Mm. So this, this, this could be my reaction to a question. And it's very important also to note that who gives this number is not usual ourselves, the Africans. Mm. Somebody else comes from somewhere and says, oh, you see here, you have too many languages, so which one do you want to use? <laughs> and, uh, no, and the language in that way becomes a liability mm. than an asset. Mm. Well, let me move on to Professor Eckhart Wolf, who uh, uh, also uh, was uh, held the position of uh, chair at the African Linguistics at the University of Leipzig in Germany. Professor Wolf, thank you for joining us. In terms of the complexities there of uh, languages on the continent, what are your views? Uh, Professor uh, Matinier there highlighted that, hey, it's a matter of perspective. It depends on who's actually counting the numbers here. Your views, Professor Wolf? Yes, good morning, Benjamin, and thank you for having me on the program. It's a pleasure, sir. Uh, yes, I fully agree with uh, Professor Majila. It really depends on who counts and what we count. And the examples which he has given from uh, Rwanda and, and Burundi uh, are very much, very much in point. I could add uh, an example from, from Ghana, where today we speak about one language called Akan, hmm. which in the colonial days, uh, were still counted, uh, you know, the various dialects with their own orthographies even were counted uh, as several languages like Asante, Aquapem, Fanti, and, and others. So it really hinges on how we define language 
and how we define dialects of one language. But the matter is really complex, as also Professor Minzula pointed, pointed out. Let's take the South African situation. If we have Isi Kosa and Isi Zulu, uh, from a linguistic point of view, uh, we could say that these are dialects of one and the same language, which mm. we might want to call Isinguni or something. Uh, but we know that for historical and political reasons, um, the speakers of these two language varieties consider themselves as very distinct, different, and uh, so we tend to count them as two different identities. So we have this conflict of whether we look at things from a linguistic point of view or we look at it from a political, historical, uh, even cultural point, point of view. Mm. I think that's also interesting, that element that uh, uh, there seems to be uh, a new contemporary look at uh, how we see our languages, almost like an ethno kind of uh, reflection, a sense of identity that we, if you are Zulu, I'm Zulu. If you are Kosa, Kosa, we abandon the Mguni identity. Now, that moves me to Professor David Musoma. Those dynamics of culture and languages, how do they affect the African community? when it comes to language, uh, Professor David Msoma? Thank you so much, um, and thank you to your listeners. Um, as a commission, uh, our mandate is to promote and protect the rights of languages, the rights of culture, and the rights of religion to exist. And uh, we have seen the importance of this because language is the carrier of culture, Language is a carrier of religion. In other words, you can only articulate um, what you feel about your culture through language, what you feel about religion through language. And so these are key elements. And therefore, the, the protection and promotion therein is first in terms of their rights to exist. Mm. And second how to develop them to ensure that they become instruments that communities use both for communication and for purposes of integration and cohesiveness. So the issue of language is very critical, uh, which is why in South Africa we are seeing the diminished and diminished characters, diminished and, um, uh, languages, must be protected and must be developed because of the understanding of the role they play mm. in human development. Mm. And, and let me explore that particular theme with Professor Likete Makalela from uh, the University of Witwatersrand in the Division of Languages, Literacies, uh, Literacies and Literatures. Uh, Professor Makalela, your views there on terms of that uh, cultural identity that is associated usually with uh, the use of language. Uh, I like what uh, uh, Professor Eckhart Wolf was highlighting there, saying that you might be part of an Nguni group, but uh, when you are Kosa, or Zulu, you're more attached to your own dialect. Uh, can you highlight on those particular dynamics, Professor Makalela? Uh, thank you so much, and thanks uh, to the listeners. Um, the, the question of language is indeed a um, very complex uh, issue in Africa, but it has been complicated. Let me start from uh, what you call missionary uh, misinvention, and uh, my colleagues have been talking about the fact that, um, you know, depending on who's counting and mm. for what purpose, uh, we know some of the initial purposes of the Christianize and different missionary groups worked in different areas in the same country and they came up with so many languages that we know are mutually intelligible. Um, from an education point of view, of mm. course, um, language is part of your identity and when you use the language, you are engaged in a constant uh, stage of becoming. And without that, uh, you lose a sense of uh, self-concept. And you also, uh, cognitive development, you say it is through the word that you actually make the world. You can mm. be creative and imaginative. Uh, so you lose that connection with the world, and that affects your identity. 
uh, on the question of identities, look, people looking, the identities are also socially constructed. Mm-hmm. Now, if for so many years people believe that I see myself as a closer, that's how you begin to construct yourself. And what you need to do is to transcend uh, the colonial boundaries, not only of languages, but identities that were created as a mission of divide and rule to say but we understand one another and in fact our cultures are in a continuum uh, from Ubuntu, you know, you, you name that whole process, it cuts across so many uh, varieties of languages spoken in South Africa. Mm. Um, and of course the question of mother tongue from education point of view mm. uh, is, is problematic for many, many African countries. It divided people when they go to the school, they want to choose their mother tongue, even though you understand the next language equally oftentimes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, we'll come so, to, and, yeah. and we, we speak, I think, uh, going beyond mother tongue to, uh, from African point of view, I think language of the community instead of a mother tongue, because that's another concept that we, we borrowed yeah. from uh, colonial linguistics. Hmm. We'll come back to that particular issue of multilingualism and also the effects of uh, uh, the colonial languages. And we're going to need to take a break right now, but we'll be back. Uh, Today we're speaking languages because in two days' time uh, we'll be marking the International Mother Language Day, which is looking at celebrating language diversity. Today we're asking uh, the question, hey, where are we with African languages and how have we been affected in terms of uh, colonial languages? on the continent. So do uh, let us know what you think. Send us your thoughts on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. After the short break, we'll continue with our guests. Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on Programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Uh, if you're listening to us online, it's on www.channelafrica.org. Thank you for joining us on our streaming facility day there. Uh, today we are speaking about uh, language and the importance of African languages, indigenous languages, but also how have colonial languages affected us on the continent? I want to move on to that particular area with you, Professor Sozinho Matsinia from the uh, African Academy of languages we always talk about colonial languages and how they've affected uh, the, the the continent and our use of our own native uh, uh, languages professor Martinia when we look at colonial languages what are we talking about and how have they affected us as Africans well that's a very interesting um, issue you know um, colonial languages um, we are speaking here about English, French, Portuguese, Mm. and Spanish, which are the languages which came with the colonizers of Africa. Um, In order to appreciate the question and the discussion here, we need to take into account that um, language, as um, the colleague from Beats and Professor Musoma were saying, um, they they carry our identity. Mm. But apart from that, they are instruments of production and preservation of knowledge. This is very important. Mm. Now, if if we look at our education uh, systems in Africa, where by people go to school to acquire knowledge and become relevant in their society. And this has been always associated with the former colonial languages. I call them former colonial languages because now they are part of ourselves. Mm. That's why I was talking about uh, uh, language partnership, linguistic equity. They are part uh, of our heritage. We have people, our children, some of them, 
they speak this language of their mother tongue. So I, I prefer to call them former colonial languages. Okay. Now, the, the production and the acquisition of knowledge has been associated with these languages. So in order to be seen as being educated, mm. knowledgeable, you, you have to master these languages. You know, this is the perception mm. we have. Yes, they are yes. sort of a passport yes. to upward mobility of some kind. But mm. that, that, that causes a lot of problems amongst us Africans because these languages are not spoken by the vast majority of us. Mm. If you are in Pretoria or in downtown Johannesburg, you don't hear much English. Yeah. You hear something else. But because of the status which is attached to these languages, there's this perception that if you know English, Portuguese, French, or Spanish, you are educated and, uh, and, uh, and uh, you are something different. Mm. Now, the question which we have to address is, yes, that could be the case, but what are we going to do with the vast majority of us who don't speak this language? Mm. who dream, conduct their lives, they laugh, they dance, they cry mm. in African languages. Mm. What runs in their veins, in the veins of their, in their blood, are African languages. What do you do with them? Mm. Can well, you say your citizenship has to be mediated by a language you don't speak? Good question. That, eh? Maybe I should that, put... That, maybe that, I should, that becomes uh, very complicated. That's why... Uh. In the, in the South African Constitution and many others, there are provisions which say, let's develop our languages. Now, we need to address, because also this has got to do with our attitudes. It's, it's not uh, a fact of life, it's our attitude, our perception. Yeah. So we have to work hard using the provisions we have in most of our constitu constitutions to bring this African language from the periphery to the center of the main economic mainstream mm. and things like that. Mm. So that we can cater for the vast majority of us. For example, when we talk about mother tongue education, we are not saying, as I was saying at the beginning, is either the former colonial languages or the African languages. You need some kind of parity in the same way you, you need gender equity. You need to have a linguistic yeah, equity. Yeah. Because that is what obtains in African society. Well, let, let me move so on to... There are certain myths associated to the former mm. colonial language which needs to be dispelled. Well, let me move on to Professor Eckhart Wolf. Your views there on uh, the effects of uh, the colonial languages on the continent, Professor Wolf? Well, I uh, do agree with uh, much of what has been said. The problem uh, that I see and that worries most experts and, and practically all Africans, I would, I would say, is the disparity of status and prestige. Hmm. You know, as part of the colonial heritage, uh, there is a difference of views. You know, European languages tend to be viewed as somehow superior and be the only means for sort of modernization, development, and so on, which implies that the African mother tongues are somewhat inferior and can't be used for all these things. Now, this is a very heavy misunderstanding, which makes the discussion very, very difficult and complicated. There is no scientific proof that African languages cannot perform the same tasks, let's say, in education, even higher education, mm. Because, you know, we haven't even tried. Mm. These, these languages are a priori excluded from being used in most African countries beyond primary grade three. Mm. Now, and we know that in order to use the second language, a language that you have to learn and acquire because it is not your mother tongue, needs between six and eight years minimum for a child to learn so proficiently that, it can, that the child can use it to acquire new knowledge through this language. Mm. So what we are actually doing is uh, dumping the African children far too early into the, the waters of a foreign language which they don't master, 
Some will survive. Some always survive educational systems. Uh, but most of them will drown. Mm. So we have these high rates of dropouts and class repetition and uh, even mediocre performance. And looking not only at the, at the children in school and our students at university, but also looking at the teachers. These languages, um, English is not the mother tongue of the teacher. So they, even the teachers master the language uh, poorly sometimes. And how can you learn, acquire a language when you are taught by somebody who, who is very poor in mm. language command and in the profession? So uh, as has been mentioned before, uh, the fallacy is to see yourself faced with an either-or decision. Shall we go for the ex-colonial languages or shall we go for the indigenous languages? Mm. No, I think that's the wrong question. Mm. It, the solution is mother tongue-based multilingualism. Use both. You can't do without English, French, and Portuguese in Africa, but you can't do without the indigenous African languages. Hmm. Well, let me take it now to Professor Makalela, uh, because I know that you have uh, a passion for multilingualism as well. Uh, I want to look at exploring that particular issue of multilingualism, looking at it in uh, contemporary culture, and also linking it to this issue that we've heard from Professor Wolf and uh, Professor Matinier in terms of uh, uh, the effects of colonial um colonial languages, how would you bring this forward to uh, how effective multilingualism can be? Yeah, uh, yeah thank you. Um, one of the, the challenges, not only did we inherit uh, colonial languages, but we also inherited uh, ways of thinking. We adopted, for example, the oneness ideology that uh, you want to use one language, one nation, one language, one classroom, and we believe that using more than one language in the same lesson uh, creates mental confusion. So the, the, this whole way of uh, thinking about um, uh, languages and how uh, multilingualism can be used uh, from... Um, so there is some, for example, what is happening mm. now in most African countries is uh, for the first three years of education, we use uh, home languages or mother tongue. And then you make a transition from grade uh, three or four, mm. where uh, the kids seem or think. Um, and we know majority of them think, and they're affected cognitively, and they lose a sense of self. And we see this, they use the lowest form of level of cognition at road learning and memorization, mm. and they go through the system. That affects uh, development. So there is no, I, what I fail to understand is, uh, we want to separate uh, the languages that uh, we are unable. For example, when you look at uh, communication outside of the classroom, the language of input and output are used in complex multilingual spaces like Soweto and many, many other areas in the country. But the classroom environment kind of speaks to the one language at the time, which I, I think is one of those inherited. We haven't given multilingualism a chance. Even though South Africa claims to have 11 official languages, but these are actually 11 monolingualisms. So they look from a monolingual point of mm, view. Mm. If you are Zulu, you learn Zulu and you stay with Zulu. So there's no cross-pollination between uh, other African languages. As a result, there's no pedagogy of African languages as additional or second languages. Mm. And, and we haven't really explored that part. And there are ways of seeing... For me, it's about the lenses. If I have three lenses, this is how I see the world. It's how my, my access to the world is in that way. I'm wired multilingually. And if you put me in a classroom where uh, now I have to use one lens, my vision of the world is blurred. Mm. Mm. And, 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 and that's really a, a big issue, and that's why many of our kids don't make it in the system. Hmm. Well, let me move to Professor David Musoma from uh, the Commission of uh, Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Cultural, Religious and Linguistic com Communities. Uh, Professor David Musoma, it's interesting what everyone is highlighting here, but how can we actually, uh, as your organization deals with the protection and promotion of uh, uh, this uh, l linguistic communities, how do we actually deal with these challenges that we've highlighted on this program? 
David Msoma, are you there? I think we've lost uh, Professor David Msoma there. But uh, let me address that to you, Professor Eckhart Wolf. We've highlighted all these dynamics. And I know for myself, I was brought up in these systems whereby I had to go to this uh, language where I was taught by teachers who are different from me, come from a different background, and I had to adapt to learning a language outside of myself as a main medium of life. And today I I live in an environment where uh, in the workplace, around my friends, we speak a lot of English. How do we rectify this for uh, the younger generation? Right, I think that we have to re-establish our connection with our various uh, uh, interviewees there. But what an interesting conversation. It is very dynamic indeed. Today we're looking at African languages and also how the use of colonial languages have affected us on the continent. What are your thoughts about this particular conversation? Let us know what you think by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. We'll take one more break as we try to reestablish connection and actually uh, put this uh, conversation forward and wrap it up. This message is meant for a listener in South Africa. Hi. I'm Gosazana Jamini Zuma, the chairperson of the African Union Commission. Ebola in Guinea, Liberia and Sierra Leone is causing untold suffering and loss of life. Despite these odds, we are inspired by the courage of the people, the efforts of the governments and the heroism of health workers and volunteers. It gives us hope and fills us with determination that we can stop Ebola. You can avoid Ebola you can recover from Ebola, and you can contribute to the fight against Ebola. The African Union and member state countries have deployed health workers and volunteers to stop Ebola, but more is needed. You and I can make a difference. SMS Stop Ebola to the number 40797 and donate at least $1 in your local currency to stop Ebola. You can also donate through the website www.africaagainstebola.org. With your donation, we can send a thousand or more health workers to the affected countries. United, we can stop Ebola. Thank you. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. What a very productive conversation we're having today on African Dialogue, looking at languages and the use of lo- colonial languages on the continent. And uh, uh, what a great uh, conversation to be having, especially today uh, when we are two days away from uh, International Mother Language Day. But uh, I wanted to ask Professor David Soma, looking at some of the challenges that were highlighted by uh, uh, some of our speakers, today looking at how do we address some of these issues whereby we don't really promote multilingualism and also uh, when you look at the workforce when you look at education especially higher education as well you do see uh, the main instruction of uh, uh, language being uh, English what are your views there Dr. David Msoma? Thank you so much um, to you and your listeners Um, first and foremost you must acknowledge that language is power. Hmm. Colonialists understood this. I don't think Africans understand that. Because in conquering us, one of the things they have done is to ensure that we know their languages. Hmm. So their languages become a canon through which thought is developed. 
through which um, the way in which we construe the world comes to us. Mm. Now, in the context of our environment, we have not even begun to say, how do we use this instrument of language in the service of our people? For instance, even if we talk about multilingualism, promotion of languages, what we have we need to be doing mm. is whether African languages can become languages of commerce. Because when students qualify with African languages, what do they do? They cannot apply in their mother tongues. Mm. When they are employed, they are expected to speak in the language of the colonizer. Now, what are we doing? So language has no currency because it cannot be used in the marketplace. So it cannot be used as a um, conveyor of thought and development of new African canon of thought because we have now uh, allowed the Western thought, the Western thought language mm. to control how we do our business. And so th the commission is intended to say, while we understand that we have got these colonial languages, how do we better mm. ensure that our languages are actually embraced, appropriated, and used by our people in the way in which they do business? For example, when you go to court, instead of getting somebody to interpret for you, when the magistrate is a black person, when the uh, prosecutor is a black person, and the audience are black people, and they, instead of using their mother tongue, they then use English. Yeah. In a complete black audience, mm, we need mm. to use language in the development of, development of law, for instance. Mm, mm. And Not, also, yeah. so, so these are key elements. You cannot use language as an artistic decoration and yeah. continue to say, yeah, this, you yeah. know, the language is there. But as long as we don't use the power of languages we understand it and draw language into the marketplace of ideas, and in the uh, commercial uh, activities of our people, then language will remain just a, a, you know, um, one of those things that we talk about when we are happy or having ceremonies. Mm, well, well that, that's a, a good way to actually sum it up. But I'm going to ask one more question, which I think is also pivotal to this conversation, is the preservation of African languages. We know that the best way of doing this also is through literature. Professor Ligeti Magalela, I only have a few minutes, and I also want to go to uh, Professor Wolf, just to wrap it up, but in terms of the literacy part of our languages, where are we, Professor? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge uh, challenge. As I said earlier on, uh, African languages can only be used as, as conveyors of knowledge in education up to grade three. Beyond mm. that, uh, we have stopped, and this is a policy we adopted in the 18th century. We have not moved, even in uh, South Africa, that uh, you know, claim to have official, 11 official languages. So we haven't done, made any progress. And the best way is to begin to increase to uh, the use of these languages as uh, languages of learning and teaching uh, incrementally, grade by grade, over time until they're able to. Well, as we wrap it up, let me move to Professor Eckhart Wolf. There's a lot of challenges, Professor Wolf, uh, in terms of dealing with these issues. But where do we start to just deal with this fundamental problem of uh, uh, lifting up African languages? Where is the starting point? Because clearly there is a discrepancy here when it comes to acknowledging our own languages. Definitely, you are, you're perfectly right. And as I see it, the major problem is that Africans just don't trust their own languages. Hmm. And um, the reasons have been given in, in, in this interesting conversation that we've had because they've been thoroughly brainwashed by early missionaries and, and colonialism. Hmm. If they have been told that their languages and their cultures are sort of not up to, uh, hmm. to international standards you know, or fit for globalization. And uh, mind you, it is an interesting case that if you look at most of the de so-called developed countries or the emerging economies in Europe and, and in Asia, they all run, for instance, a formal education from kindergarten to university through the mother tongue. Mm. This is in Korea, this is in Japan, this is in, in, in China, wherever you, wherever you go. 
Africa seems to be an exception where you run the training of the next generation, their education, their intellectual development through a foreign language which is not mastered by them, not by the teachers, because it's simply not their own. So where do we start? We start with our attitudes towards the African languages, take trust in them and use them in all the domains. There is no reason why we shouldn't use any African language to discuss philosophy, politics, natural sciences, and, and, and everything. Hmm. Is, there's a saying in social linguistics that language development is language use. Now, if you think that African languages are underdeveloped, I hate that expression because I don't believe in it, hmm. uh, if you want to sort of, in inverted commas, develop it, then use it. Use it in class, use it in the lecture halls in universities. Fantastic. Use it in political speeches, use it in the newspapers. Mm. Have translations from other languages into these languages. That's, by the way, how all the European standard languages, including English and my own German, grew against Latin, which mm. was for, for centuries the language of education. Well, now we all speak our old vernaculars. You know, mm. the Germans speak Germans, the English speak English. English yeah. Why shouldn't the Africans speak, speak their African, African languages? languages? Well, I think that's a way to wrap it up. Let us use it. It's a good place to start. Let's not run away from our own languages. Let's use them. I know I'm a typical example of a person who does not know a word of his uh, native languages. For me, it's always like a guilty trip and I always run to my parents. I'm saying, why, why, why? And they also don't have the answers for me. But I want to thank you. Uh, to Professor Eckhart Wolf, who is uh, 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 the Professor Emeritus, who is based at Rhodes University. He was also uh, the Chair of the African Linguistics at the University of Leipzig in Germany. I also want to thank uh, uh, Professor David Msoma, who is uh, the Deputy Chairperson of the Commission RR uh, Rights Commission, which is standing for Commission for the uh, Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Cultural, Religious and Linguistic Communities. I also want to thank uh, Professor Liketi Makalela, who is the head of the Division of Languages, Literacies and Literatures at the University of Edvartensrand. And also we had earlier on the head of Academy of Languages in uh, uh, the organization, the African Academy of Languages, and that was Professor Suzinho Matsinye. That's how we wrap it up. Thank you all for joining us for the conversation. Good morning, I'm Wisani Matebula with your economics news. Uh, thanks, Benjamin. Nigeria Central Bank has scrapped its uh, bi-weekly currency auctions. A market body says it will sell dollars only, which is a move that amounts to a de facto devaluation of the currency of Africa's biggest economy. With elections due in less than six weeks, the changes let the central bank reign in its defense of the Naira, on which it was spending more than 100 million US dollars a day while avoiding the political unpalatable word devaluation. In Malawi, the country ranked uh, the poorest in the world in order based on the gross domestic product per capita. That's according to a recent report from the World Bank. Malawian President Peter Mutarika has, however, pleaded with the World Bank to consider resuming aid to his country, saying it was in desperate need of donor support. George Mango reports from Blantyre. This is a major setback for Lilongwe based on the report as it comes a year after the Human Development Index, HDI, ranked Malawi 174 out of 187 countries. The HDI was measured in three basic dimensions such as a long and healthy life, knowledge and a decent standard of living. South Africa's Communications Workers Union says it will embark on a mass action against landline provider Telcom's imminent retrenchments. The union has called on Telcom to withdraw all retrenchments notices sent to affected workers. Telcom says uh, consultations with unions commenced on Monday to inform them of its uh, proposal to restructure four key areas of the business. It says they communicated restructuring to affected staff only after consulting unions. Solidarity says the entire process could affect as many as 10,000 workers. CWU's President Clyde Maven. 
Telecommunication Workers Union were flabbergasted by Telcom pronouncing that they are going to retrench workers and they are going to outsource other sections of Telcom workers. So Communication Workers Union is busy mobilizing workers because Telcom have not consulted us correctly. Today we are challenging Telcom with a formal letter of a response to the issues and hopefully by tomorrow we'll be pronouncing our way forward in terms of where we're going to do our picketing. And Kenya's Crown Paint has warned that its profit for 2014 will drop by at least 25% from the previous year, blaming unspecified difficult market conditions for its subsidiaries in the region. The maker of decorative and automotive paint, uh, which has a factory in neighboring Uganda, depots in Tanzania and a showroom in Rwanda, had a pretext profit of $3.6 million. Financial indicators, the dollar at 11.6 South African rands at 9.5 Botswana Pula and 6.86 Zambian Kwacha. Also trading at 0.64 to the British pound and 0.87 to the euro. Commodities, gold $1,216, platinum $1,179, a fine ounce brand crude oil at $59.47 per barrel. And that's how it's looking. Musibudi Makura is standing by to give us our sports news. Good day, sports fans, and starting off with cricket news, Zimbabwe have beaten the United Arab Emirates by four wickets with 12 balls to spare at the ICC Cricket World Cup early this morning in Nelson in New Zealand. Zimbabwe won the toss and sent their opponents in to bat first, and they made 285 for seven and 50 overs. Shahim Anwar top scored with 67 runs, while Tidai Chakatara took three wickets. The Zimbabwean chase was shaky in parts and although the required run rate never got out of control, they lost regular wickets early on, but it was a partnership between Shane Williams and Craig Irvin that took the game away from the United Arab Emirates. Shane Williams was named man of the match for his unbeaten 72 of 64 balls. Now to football news, Chelsea have strongly condemned a group of their supporters who have been caught on video singing a racist song and preventing a black man from boarding the Paris Metro. The footage shows the man repeatedly trying to squeeze onto the busy train only to be forcefully shoved out of the door and back to the platform at the Relecher Durant station before Chelsea's Champions League tie against Paris Saint-Germain at the Parc des Princes on Tuesday night. The fans on the train are then heard chanting a song that appears to be celebrating what has just happened and includes the line, we are racist, we are racist and that's the way we like it. Some Chelsea fans have reacted to the shocking video footage. Yeah, outrageous. Outrageous. It slurs us something silly. A couple of idiots doing it, you know, outrageous to be honest. We, it used to be a bad club when I used to come. I'm never afraid to bring her here now. Uh, it's totally changed. Look at the heroes who scored the goals for us. Drogba. It's just a few idiots, to be honest with you. Hopefully they get banned. Yeah, let's be banned. We're a great multiracial, integrated club. And I would say they are... So on football news, Nigerian coach Stephen Keshi has made the final short list for candidates being considered for the vacant Burkina Faso national team coaching job. The Burkina Faso Football Association named Stephen Keshi as well as the duo of French-German Renoir and Serbian Milovan Rakovic as the possible replacement for Popat. The final choice for the national head coach will be made within a maximum of three weeks after the three candidates have been interviewed. Keshi had earlier confirmed being approached by the Burkina Faso Faso Football Association, but the big boss was quick to state that he had not made up his mind of whether to accept any offer thrown at him by the West African country.
Keshi caught the fancy of many countries when he led the Nigerian Super Eagles to continental glory at the 2013 AFCON tournament before reaching the knockout stages of the FIFA World Cup in Brazil last year with the Super Eagles. The former Super Eagles captain has been locked in endless negotiations with the Nigerian Football Federation for a new contract after his former deal expired last year after the World Cup. On to local football news, Orlando Pirates registered their place in the last 16 of the Nedbank Cup after an easy 4-0 victory over Tornado FC on Wednesday night at Orlando Stadium. Tindai and Jumayelo's brace, Lenok Patlela's penalty and Sifi Somieni's goal were enough to bury the third tie outfit. Head coach Eric Tinkler says it was important to start the match well. This was always going to be obviously a very difficult game because get the, motiv- the players motivated is, is not an easy task when, when they're playing against a team really that they don't know. They, they know that the team is from the Motsepe League and you know I explained to the players that I actually wish that Tornado was playing in a golden yellow jersey, I mean golden black jersey because you know, it would be a lot more easy for me to motivate them. But I explained the, the importance of us starting the game very, very well and I think for the first 25 minutes we've done that. We, we started really well. We put them under pressure. We created the, the first chance, which was also vitally important for me. And, and you know, we got the, the early goals. That, that, that helped. Meanwhile, Tonada FC coach Jeris Kosana says despite the defeat, he's still happy with how his charges played. Personally, nothing to complain. Really, we never anyway thought that we'll do the best that we can. We, we, we tried hard. And it was always going to be difficult. I mean, you play a team that is, is fluent. I mean, they are a well-oiled machine and they play beautiful soccer and giving warning to the boys, you know, to look at the guys because there would be a lot of uh, one-twos off the ball movement. But unfortunately, these are youngsters. They tend to forget stage fright and we're just caught with those things. But look, this is a learning curve for the boys. Next time when you tell them they were hurt today, they will know how to react. And I can't complain. And finally, in athletics news, South African middle distance runner Andre Olifia is set to compete at the XL Gallen IWAF World Indo Permit Meeting in Stockholm in Sweden tonight. The competition, featuring 14 track and only four field events, will have most of the athletes competing for the first time in the new 2015 track and field season. Channel Africa's Geshomiati found this report. Andre Olifir is set to compete in the men's 800 meters tonight. This is an event where he is a bronze medal winner at the 2008 World Junior Championships in Poland, 2012 Africa Championships in Benin and Glasgow Commonwealth Games in Scotland. The athlete from Peter Marisbeck, who normally trains with Botswana's Nigel Amos, has a tough engagement against the pre-race favorite Timothy Kitumi of Kenya and the talented Adam Kashoti of Poland. Well, those are your sports news at the hour. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for uh, today's uh, African Dialogue. Uh, remember that we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. So 11 o'clock Central African time tomorrow, we won't be with you. We'll have other programming here on Channel Africa. But hey, let's wrap up with uh, today's uh, uh, proverb of the day. This one is from Nigeria. Once again, has a lot of Nigerian proverbs. I think they live on proverbs. I think it's a staple meal for each day. But this one states... However far the stream flows, it never forgets its source. However far the stream flows, it never forgets its source. So hey, remember, you are an African. Don't try to actually be like us, Benjamin Mushatamas, who can't speak their native language, languages anymore. We're always speaking English 24 hours a day. We dream in English. We speak in English. We do everything in English. So, hey, let's uh, take hold of our African languages and really, really take heed that, hey, uh, as a nation, as a continent, we've got something to be proud of. But until next week, Monday, God bless. <laughs>